Good evening. Uh, I'm going to introduce our speaker this evening. I'm actually not going to speak this evening, but before I introduce him formally, I think it'll help. Uh, when I do that, I just want to explain a little bit about uh, what's going on at Grace Bible Church, what the Lord is doing, um, and how that affects me and our speaker tonight. Um, about two years ago, our elders began to identify a need at, they felt at Grace in a direction the Lord was leading us to begin to expand our communication efforts uh, of the gospel and of some of the unique aspects of Grace Bible Church, our ministry to college students, our emphasis on the grace of God, they really began to identify that we want to proclaim that message all around the world. They recognize that doing that online is a huge part of that, producing written biblical and theological content is a huge part of that, figuring out how all of the pastors and staff here can communicate well uh, both here in College Station and around the world. And as they talked about that, um, they came to a conclusion that they wanted to ask me beginning this fall to, to spearhead that effort, to really do that full time. And so uh, what that means is after this semester, I will still be a Grace Bible Church, but I'm not going to be the primary teacher here in the college class. And uh, this is my ninth year actually doing this. I love this job, this has been my dream job, but I'm also excited to see how the Lord is moving at Grace and to be a part of that. So um, what we are going to do is beginning this semester in the evening services, uh, there's a guy who's going to be speaking here most of the time in the evenings uh, named Jacob Smith, and Jacob's sitting right over here, and uh, Jacob's wife Susan is also back here in the back corner. There she is, all right. He's going to begin speaking. Jacob is actually a native of College Station. I know if you don't come from here, you may not realize there are such people, uh, but there are people who raised in College Station uh, and has gone to Grace and has been a huge blessing to this church as a, a minister and as a servant. Right now, he is also serving with the youth group over at our Southwood campus, and so he will continue to do that as well through this semester, but he's going to be speaking in here in the evenings. I'll still maintain speaking in the morning services until the fall. And so uh, Jacob's can come in. Some of y'all have heard Jacob speak before. He's a very gifted teacher, very gifted leader. I think you'll enjoy hearing from him. He's going to be on the same series in Acts that we're also doing in the morning. So whether you come in the evening or in the morning, you're getting the same content uh, and the same flow to our talks. We're working on them together and those sort of things. So I uh, hope you guys will enjoy hearing from Jacob. I know the Lord's going to speak through him. So if you guys would, welcome Jacob Smith. Well, good evening. Uh, yeah, so sorry to disappoint you. If you are a Matt fan or Morthead, as I hear they're called, you will need to go to the morning service to hear them. And if I really just anger you, I'm sorry. Tonight we're talking about conflict. So hopefully you'll learn something and then approach me afterwards and we can hash it out because uh, I'm, I'm here now to stay. Sorry. Uh, but um, yeah, like Matt said, I've been here at Grace for a while. Uh, I've been pulled into the black hole that is College Station, Texas, and I have never lived anywhere else. So again, morning services are still going on. If you just want to switch to that, if you feel like, you know, you don't want to listen to that guy that hasn't moved away. One day, maybe, probably not. But um, like he said, also my wife is here. Her name is Susan. She's a lovely woman, probably the greatest woman I've ever met. So sorry, gentlemen, but uh, she's taken. Lock that down. Uh, But uh, we've been married for about three years now. Uh, and she is a nurse over at the St. Joseph's Emergency Room. So, again, if your spiritual needs are filled, but you're like, gosh, but my arm is missing, you go see my wife, we fix you up. One-stop shop. Uh, so, 
this evening we are going to be in the book of Acts. This whole semester we're going to be in the book of Acts here in the evening service. Uh, and specifically, we're starting halfway because why not? Uh, we are starting in Acts chapter 15. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you don't, that's all right. Modern technology allows us to project words onto screens, and it's magical. Uh, so if you don't have your Bible, don't feel bad. There's also some of the ends of the pews if you want to grab one of those. Uh, but in order to really understand conflict, in order to really understand what we're going to be talking about tonight, uh, I'm going to share a little bit uh, about my history with my wife, actually. As I said, we are now married, so everything turns out okay. Uh, but in our, mar- or in our relationship, uh, we've, we've had some sort of relationship over the past like five, five years, six, something. We've had years of relationship. And over, the, over that span of time, uh, we have had conflict. Uh, in fact, one time, uh, Susan asked me, our, our freshman year of college, she asked me if I wanted to go uh, with her to her older brother's ring dunk. He had just gotten his ring. He also went here to A&M. Uh, and so we went out to this house where he was dunking with a couple of his friends. Uh, and, and when we were on our way out there, uh, as she was talking about it, I, I didn't really realize that's where we were headed until we were kind of in the car and we were talking about it. And she was like, hey, do you mind coming with me to my brother's ring dunk? And I said, oh, yeah, I I guess so, right? But in the back of my mind, I was thinking, I really don't want to go to this. I don't know anyone. Uh, it's going to be boring, uh, like people drinking, yay, right? Like that's not like, it was, I wasn't pumped about it. Uh, and so in my mind, I was like, you know what though? I'm just going to, I'm going to pursue her well and just like lay down, guard her heart and lay down my life, right? Like I'm just going to, I'm going to go to this I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for her. Like, I'm, I'm going to put down my desires for, for her sake. And so I said, yeah, yeah, let's, let's go. But when we got there, well, I was like, man, this is the worst. I hate this. I don't like sacrificing. And so I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just get back at Susan a little bit at this party by being really nice to everyone that we interact with. But whenever she tries to talk to me, I'm just going to be quiet. Um, which some of you know, that's a really bad, really bad idea. Uh, so as we were interacting with people at the party, I would be friendly and social. And then Susan would be like, hey, so what do you think? And I'd just shut down because I'm just like, yeah, this will get her. Rah. Right? Like, oh, oh, boy. Right? And so I did this over the course of the party until we left the party. And as we're driving back, uh, she's taking me to my car, which is at her place. Uh, and she kind of is very quiet in the car ride. Uh, just knuckles gripped around the steering wheel, right? Just turning white. Right? And I'm just like, hey, what's, what's up? Like, what's the problem, right? Because we're already gone, we're gone from the party, so now I'm like, okay. I'm like, man, good job, Jacob. You're so great. Uh, and so I'm like, what, you know, what's, what's going on? And she just turns and she goes, you know. You know what you did. It's like, hey, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I think that was a great party. Your brother, he's got his ring now. He threw up. That's awesome, right? Like, that was, that was a, a win-win, right? Win-win party. And she's like, you know. She's like, you were... You were mean that whole time. She says, I, I can't believe you did that. It's like, hey, look, you know, I, I didn't want to go in the first place. And suddenly I get defensive. And so in the car, we start talking. And I'm like, I'm getting defensive. I'm like, no, you know, like, I didn't even want to go in the first place. I was going for you. Like, I was going to be nice to you. And she's like, oh, yeah, well, thanks a lot for that one, right? And, and we're just kind of going back and forth. And we're driving. And eventually I noticed that we're not actually going to her house anymore. Suddenly we take some, you know, like this random side road. And I'm like, oh, no, she's going to murder me, right? Like, I don't, I don't know where we're headed right now uh, until we stop on my street where my house was, but my car was not at my house. It was at her house. And I was like, Susan, uh, you know, this is, you know, my car's at your house. She's like, I know. And she stops the car on the street, okay? So we're, we're stopped. And at this point, I'm thinking, she might be kicking me out of her 
carved. I was like, no, surely. She's so sweet, kind, loving, wonderful person. Surely. And then she reaches over and unlocks the door. I was like, oh, this, this is, uh, yeah, this is where this is going. Uh, and so I get out of the car. And, and in that moment, I don't know if you've ever been kicked out of a vehicle before, but it's traumatizing. Uh, <laughs> Especially if it's by this woman that you, you've given your life to, right? And, and so as I'm getting out, I'm, my brain's just racing. I don't know what to do. And, and I decide in that moment, my best course of action is to not quite close the door yet, lean my head in and get one last shot, right? And so I look at Susan, this lovely, my beautiful bride. I look directly in her eyes. And I say, you are unbelievable, slam strut off right like that's that's how i handle it she dropped me out i had to go to my house i didn't have my car uh so she just like speeds off i had to like walk to a friend's house and i'm just sorry anyway we'll get to that in a second but in that moment man like i could even in that moment look at that whole situation i was like this whole conflict that we just had horrible this did not go as planned the moment that i started that i was kicked out of a car you know your argument didn't really go well, right? You know that conversation wasn't exactly going according to plan. And, and, you know, honestly, I feel like a lot of times we find ourselves in the midst of conflict, in the midst of those arguments. And a lot of times they turn out really bad, right? Sometimes maybe our parents, we were, over, we were at home over the break talking with our parents. I have one of my volunteer leaders. Uh, every time he goes home, he has issues with his parents. Every time over like politics, just silly stuff, but they have these huge arguments just blow up. Every time he goes home. I, I know other people that, man, whether it's, you know, maybe not their parents, maybe they have a sibling who's just like crazy. Maybe you have that roommate that just drives you nuts, right? We find ourselves in these situations where there is conflict constantly. It's that person in our project group who doesn't do anything, right? It's that person in our, maybe our small group Bible study that asks so many questions, right? Or that kid that sits, that, that core boy that sits at the front of the class and raises his hand all the time at A&M, right? I had one, but they're not always in the core. I don't want to stereotype, but dang it. They just are so frustrating, right? Sometimes they drive us nuts. And because of that, man, we have to learn how to deal with conflict, And thankfully, when we look in Scripture, we see multiple times where we have these principles and these guidelines for how to confront conflict well. One of those is right here at the end of chapter 15 of Acts. And what I love about this is that it's not actually just a play-by-play. It's not like a step-by-step guide to this is how you deal with conflict. And then Paul said, listen, Barnabas, this is how we shall conflict with one another. Like, that's not how it works. Instead, we see a real conflict happen, and we see the messy aftermath. And then we get to see what God does with it. So I would encourage you, man, as, as we're talking about this, key in on one big piece is that as we are in the midst of conflict, if there's anything you learn tonight, it's that when you are in conflict, you've got to protect your relationship and you've got to protect your mission. Okay, we'll explain that in here in a moment. But your relationship and your mission are key within conflict. Because let's be honest, we are all, if you're not in the middle of it right now, even as I talked about it, you immediately thought of that guy, right? Or that girl. As soon as I just said conflict, you're like, oh, Stacy, right? Like immediately you knew you, you've got that person. So what I want us to do tonight is to learn how to overcome this conflict, how to handle that conflict well, and looking at what God's role, how God uses the conflict in our lives. Okay, so look, chapter 15, verse 36 
starts out like this. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. Okay, now right here, what we start off seeing is Paul and Barnabas are just kind of chilling in Antioch. They're at this church. They're preaching and teaching and studying and, and enjoying Christian fellowship. But what Paul, Paul's just kind of anxious, right? He just gets kind of, he's worked up. He's that guy that always needs to do something, right? He's that guy on like, it's Tuesday night and you just want to relax and watch Netflix. And he's like, hey, what are we doing, man? It's 11 o'clock. Come on, let's, let's go, right? Like I, I had a buddy who like, he would just get so worked up and he would like rappel down buildings on campus just illegally. Don't do it. But it's just, that's what he would do because he just needed to act, right? That's Paul. Paul is that A-type personality going forth. He's like, look, man, it's cool that we're here and like having a really good time and, lo- and there's great people, but uh, let's do something, right? Okay, so he tells Barnabas, hey, look, we went on this missionary journey a few years ago where we planted all these churches. How about we do a reunion tour, go back, see all of those churches, maybe stop at a few, you know, side places along the way, start a few other churches, right? But let's just go, Let, let's do something, let's move. And Barnabas, I love him, he says, yeah, Sure thing. Let, let's go. Because Barnabas was the great encourager. That's what Barnabas means. It's not even his real name. This was a nickname they gave him. Encourager, Barnabas. He says, yeah, yeah, let's go. I tell you what, let me go grab my bag and, and let me grab John Mark, okay, my cousin. And if you were here this past semester, or if you've ever studied the book of Acts, you'll know John Mark pops up earlier in Acts and not in a very positive light, right? If this was that kind of you know, previously in Acts, right? Like the, the flashback moment at the beginning of your show, you would see John Mark is traveling with Paul and Barnabas and they're on this first journey and they're planting churches and they're sailing and they're traveling and they're going through all this hardship and all this crazy stuff. And at one point in the journey, for some reason, we don't really know why. We don't know if it was a personality conflict or if he got sick or what, but John Mark leaves Paul and Barnabas under bad circumstances. He just, he splits, he drops out, he quits. And so as soon as Paul hears Barnabas say, hey, yeah, yeah, I-, I can't wait to go. Let me grab John Mark. Paul comes back with this. It says, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia, right? Which I-, I love the wording right there. It's like, hey, Barnabas, maybe we shouldn't take anyone that quits, right? Like he doesn't say, we shouldn't take John Mark. Let's- maybe we shouldn't take quitters, huh, Barnabas, right? And had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. So all of a sudden, you've got these two best buds. Man, these guys are fighting alongside each other. There's just a conflict within the church. Paul and Barnabas totally syncing up on the same page, on the same page with theology, on the same page with methodology, how to go out and spread the gospel. Man, these guys have sweated, bled, cried, rejoiced together. And all of a sudden, there's a sharp disagreement, and they separate. They separate. Let me tell you, even though this does turn out well, it's never the same. It's never as good as it was. Okay? They are never together in the same way as they are in this moment, Paul and Barnabas, brothers in Christ. But because of disagreement, because of conflict, man, it can shatter that relationship. So because of their separation, Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia. Sorry, 
I always struggle with that one. Strengthening the churches. Right, so suddenly we see these two men who are so close, split in opposite directions. Barnabas decides, okay, I'm going to take John Mark anyway. I believe in him. I think he deserves a second chance. I think God can still use John Mark. I think he just needs to be trained, taught. I think he can be effective. And so he takes John Mark and he goes down to Cyprus. Paul says, okay, whatever, man. Grabs this guy named Silas. He's like, Silas, let's go. So they go to these other churches, and he goes with his original plan to kind of see. He goes actually into a newer area, starts planting new churches, sees some of his old churches. He meets a guy named Timothy along the way who he begins to disciple, mentor, right? But what we see in this moment, what we see in this little snapshot of Acts 15 is that, man, there was intense conflict. There was, there was a sharp argument, right? And honestly, when you stop right there, this is the end of the chapter. It's, it looks kind of depressing, right? It looks kind of sad. It looks like this dark conclusion to the chapter. This is that moment where Mufasa gets trampled by wildebeests and Symbol runs down. He's like, Ted, Ted, right? And then roll credits, right? Like, Hakuna Matata. Like, that's, that's the end. And you're like, what in the world? Like, how could, why? Why, Acts 15? Like, why would you end this way? And, you know, honestly, a lot of times when we're in conflict, it always looks this dark, right? Immediately after my argument with Susan, what I like to call the ring dunk disaster, right? Dunk disaster. Anyway, so we, after this horrible tragedy, I found myself pacing just pacing like a madman in my friend's house. Just talking about, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like my car, I don't even have my car. And he's like, I can give you a ride. I'm like, it, that doesn't matter, right? Like that's not the point. It's the principle, right? And we're just talking and I'm pacing up and down. I found out later, Susan drove to a parking lot and called one of uh, a woman who kind of discipled her and she just, was just bawling in tears in her car in like the Hastings parking lot, right? Just like horrible situation. Anyone looking at that would just be like, wow, you guys are horrible at relationships, right? Like they would look at that and be like, this is a bad conflict. Like things are not going to end well. In the middle of that conflict, man, it's never going to feel great. Even if you feel like you hear the talk tonight and you're like, yeah, I'm going to have these little pieces and I'm going to use that in my conflict. I I would encourage you, don't gauge your conflict resolution skills in the midst of the conflict, right? Even in the middle of it, it's going to look rough and it's going to look sad and it's going to look tough. But what we have to do is we have to take a step out We have to zoom out a little bit. We have to get this bigger picture and see what God did with this conflict. Because when we take a more godly perspective, a more eternal perspective, we see something amazing. We see how God can take something so dark like conflict and use it for his own glory. When we take a step out, we see not only how God is using the conflict, but we can actually pick out a few little principles to see how Paul and Barnabas actually handled their conflict well, it ended with a split, yes, but we're going to look here in a second. They actually handled it very well. Okay? Now, when, we're, when I'm talking about God using conflict for his glory, I'm not just basing this on Acts 15. I, I can base this on basically all of human history. But even let's, let's zoom in a little bit further. Let's say the early church, okay? what they're a part of, first century church. A lot of times when we talk about the early church, we talk about Acts 2, right? There's like Pentecost and the Holy Spirit's like flaming on people's heads and everyone's super excited. And everyone, we talk about that, the end of chapter 2 where everyone came together for preaching and teaching and breaking of bread, right? We painted it this, as this like magical, like wonderland of Christianity where the early church, man, right? I've talked to so many people that are just, I just, I just, we were like the early church, right? I just want to have home church, man. I just, 
I tell you what, man, we should just go, we just need to go like love on each other and have fellowship in the grassy area behind mug walls, right? Like that's, that's like their image. They're like, that's, that's what church is all about. But in reality, when you look at the early church, you don't see happy unicorn sunshine rainbows all the time. In fact, when you look at the early church, you see a lot of problems. You see a lot of conflict. You see social problems. You see things like the Council of Jerusalem that you guys talked about last week. You see uh, sin problems. You see people like Ananias and Sapphira who come and they lie to the church. They get struck down. They get killed by God because they're lying, deceiving the church. You not only see these social issues, these sin issues, you see doctrinal issues. You see problems where heresies rise up. You see people coming out and saying, oh, hey, listen, listen, uh, the Bible, yeah, yeah, Jesus was really cool, but I'm also kind of like Jesus, and da 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 Or they'll say, hey, Jesus was so great, let's just forget all the Old Testament. Well, who cares about that stuff, right? These heresies were popping up in the first century. First century. Literally, a few years after the church started. There, there's this idea that was really prevalent in the first century called docetism, okay? Docetism, where it's this idea that Christ was not, in fact, he didn't actually have a human form. He wasn't physical. Instead, he was more of just a spirit, right? Some people called the Gnostics, they, they grabbed this idea because they thought everything physical was evil. They're like, yeah, yeah, Jesus was totally just a spirit, right? This Christ came into this body. And that, that's how that whole thing worked. And that's popping up first century, that's the early church. That's what was defining the early church. And so when we look at that, we're like, holy cow, like that's, that sounds horrible, right? Like I would not want to deal with all that junk all at one time, right? You don't even have like mass communication, social media. You don't have anything like that. So if you hear some crazy guy like yelling some heresies on the street corner, there is no online commentary to check it with, right? And that was prevalent in that day. But what's amazing when we look at that is we can see over and over God using all of that conflict for his own glory. Like I said, that council of Jerusalem that you guys talked about last week, you had these Jews that were like, man, these Gentiles, they don't know what's up, right? They're like eating all this crazy idol food and they don't perform correct operations on themselves. Like, you know, this, this stuff is not good. And so they came together and the the leaders decided, all right, you know what? We're going to set forth these certain rules, this council of Jerusalem. They say, look, these things aren't sinful, but we're going to ask the Gentiles to abstain from a few things. And out of that conflict, we see God create this unity that they would have never had otherwise. Never would have had because they would just fester and people just thought it and be like, err, Gentiles, right? Because they're Jew pirates apparently, right? Err, right? But they just, if, if without that conflict, man, there would never have been that unity. Ananias and Sapphira, when they sinned, when they tried to lie to the church, lie to Peter, and God killed them. What I love about that passage uh, is that you'll see immediately, it says, right after it talks about them getting killed, then it says, and great fear spread through the followers of the Lord. Meaning this fear, this healthy respect for God suddenly spread throughout the church. These people are like, oh, snap. God's pretty serious, right? And not only is God serious, but he's serious about his church. He's serious about his church leaders. And so suddenly you saw out of this conflict, there spread this amazing respect for God and the body of the church. When you see things like docetism pop up, where these people are talking about all these heresies or any of the heresies, you see that all kind of lead to these councils, these ecumenical councils, where they would bring together all these leaders all these church leaders, and they would come together and they'd be like, okay, 
let's be, you know, let's, let's get real, you know, like real talk. How, how, what do we really believe about God, right? And they would take these ideas that they already had, right? This stuff that they were already teaching, but they would actually solidify it, right? It's not like they would just decide, yeah, we should say Jesus was God. Oh yeah, good one, right? <laughs> right? Like that's, they knew it, but they said, you know what? Let's actually write this down. Maybe we'll make it memorable. That's how they came up with different creeds, right? If you've gone to any church that's big on liturgy, maybe you've heard the Nicene Creed, right? I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And, on the, you know, and then it goes on and on. And you have these ideas, these sound doctrinal statements made in the early years of the church because of conflict. That's where they came from. So conflict is good. God can use it powerfully to affect his church, his world. It, it's, it's amazing to see him do that. And, and not only did we see God use Paul and Barnabas' conflict, but remember, they handled it well, right? In the midst of their conflict, uh, they decided to split, right? And so if Barnabas goes and he starts to train John Mark, turns out he was, he was right. John Mark did deserve a second chance. That's why we see in 2 Timothy when Paul is writing to Timothy, he tells him, hey, look, uh, I'm alone with Luke. Get John Mark. Bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. This is years later. Paul says, you know what? John Mark is a solid guy. Bring him. Bring him to me, please. I need him for ministry. And he, he's useful, right? Paul was able to see, wow, this, this man is of worth. God can use John Mark, no matter what happened to us in the past. And not only did God get to display, you know, that split in the terms of training John Mark, but he also got to use Paul's journey, right? Paul goes out, he revisits churches, he starts new ones, he finds Timothy, who becomes a huge piece of the early church. Never would have happened if he hadn't split with Barnabas. We see God not only demonstrate his ability to reconcile with John Mark, right? God's love to take something that's broken and fix it. The same way that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to a broken world so that he would die for that brokenness and that he would then rise overcoming the brokenness, overcoming the sin, so that we can just put our faith in him and be made whole. God loves that reconciliation, but God also loves reaching new people, going out to these new areas. So when Paul goes out, God blesses his ministry, allowed him to start so many new churches. We see amazing things come out of their conflict. Man, when Susan and I had our dunk disaster, uh, we, in that moment, like I said, we just, we were confused. We were mad. It was the first major argument we ever had. Probably is one of the biggest we've ever had in the course of our relationship. But out of that, man, it made us stronger. We learned things about each other. It revealed, honestly, my sin, right? This is very different from Paul and Barnabas. They were both pretty much right in our situation, Susan was right. I was completely wrong, dumb, okay? And, and that, it brought it to light. Our conflict drew that out of me. And not only that, but our conflict then became a useful sermon illustration years later, right? So <laughs> worth it, right? So we can see God use conflict in amazing ways, okay? But not only is that important, right? But remember, we're going to keep coming back to this idea of relationship and mission, okay? This idea that Paul and Barnabas, when they were in the midst of their conflict, they still protected their relationship and their mission. What I mean by that is in their relationship, they still loved each other, right? 
They, they decided that in the midst of this conflict, they weren't going to make personal attacks, right? That's why we never see it say anything about how then Paul started posting, you know, passive-aggressive Facebook statuses, right? Some people, uh, right? Uh, or something, I don't know. Right? We don't see Paul start texting his friends and tell them, oh man, can you believe what a dummy Barnabas is? More like Barnabummy, right? Like that, we, that, doesn't, that doesn't happen, right? They don't turn this into this attacking thing where they're not putting up like bullet from my Valentine lyrics on their wall, right? They're not, they're not saying these things because they still cherished one another. They still respected the other man. Not only did they respect the other man, but they were willing to still work with him. Right? They were willing to actually still partner in ministry. That's why when we see in 1 Corinthians 9, Paul mentions Barnabas by name as an effective minister of the gospel. Paul refers to Barnabas and he says that he respects Barnabas' work, that he, he loved seeing what Barnabas was doing. He names Barnabas by name. Right? That's a big deal. Because a lot of times when we have conflict, right, we're just, we just kind of avoid, we avoid that person. Right? We avoid that subject. That's why we talk about that, that school in Austin, right? Ugh, right? Yeah, see, it already started. We're talking about conflict and you hiss, right? Like that's, that's what we do, right? Because we're in conflict with one another. But Paul, he said, no, I'm still going to work with him. I still respect his ministry, right? He says, what Barnabas is doing is great. It is good for the kingdom. In the same way that you and I maybe disagree with another person and maybe another teacher, another preacher, Right? A lot of times people's instinct is in the midst of that kind of conflict. They'll be like, well, yeah, I can't believe you have so-and-so on your bookshelf. Oh, he believes this and this. Sorry you read the book and now you're going to hell. Right? Like that's, that's like sometimes our mentality. It's really like, I can't believe you believe what this. That guy said this one thing one time. Well, he's completely out, right? We allow this one little conflict to completely overwhelm the relationship to where we don't want to love them, we don't want to work with them, nothing. But Paul and Barnabas don't do that. Not only that, but they protect their mission. They still follow God's call to missions, right? Paul and Barnabas were willing to lay aside this conflict and still go out and reach the world. They're willing to lay down this conflict with a Christian for the sake of Christ. And man, that's hard. I had a buddy, uh, one of my best friends in high school. Man, when we were growing up, I, I, I distinctly remember uh, we were, I went through a phase where I was just away from the church, turned away from a lot of that stuff or this stuff. Uh, and, and he was the same way. I came back around. He didn't. One time we had a conversation. I was like, hey, like what? Why don't you want to come to this retreat with me? Why don't you want to come, you know, on Sunday or Wednesday? And eventually it came out. Like our senior year of high school, knew the guy for like five years. Finally came out. He told me, well, this one time, I went to this lock-in with a church in town. Uh, I was in, it was eighth grade, went to this lock-in with a couple of my buddies. And when we were there, uh, there was this big, like, pillow fight or something like that where stuff got really messy. And the pastor, I mean, he thought it was me. He thought it was me and a couple of my friends, but it wasn't. Like, it was these other guys. Uh, I was not even a part of that group, but he pulled us aside and he yelled at us. And he made us clean it up. He says, you know what? Ever since then... I just, I don't even want to go into church. Don't even want a part of it. Because he allowed one conflict with a Christian to overcome all that Christianity has to offer. Just negated it. Done. He's still like that. That's still his mindset. Because of one piece of conflict. Because that's what happens when we're not willing to protect our relationship and our mission. 
So as we are moving into these conflicts that are going to be hitting, I'm going to give you a few pieces to protect your relationship. I'm going to give you a couple pieces to protect your mission. Then we're done. Okay, so as, as you are thinking about your relationship and how you're going to protect the relationship that you have with this person that you are in conflict with, I would encourage you first of all to check your heart, okay? Uh, Ephesians 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Right here, clear blueprint. Whenever you are in interacting with anyone, especially someone that you have a disagreement with, you need to make sure that you are acting loving, that you're acting kind, that you're forgiving. So I mean by check your heart. Make sure that you have the right motivations. In my dunk disaster, right, I started it all off with pride, with anger. I went into the situation thinking, well, uh, thank goodness I'm so great and willing to be this great boyfriend. Right? That was my mindset. When we are interacting with our people around us that maybe frustrate us, man, where, where's your heart at? When you are strongly encouraging your roommate to do his dishes, do you really want him to learn to do dishes well for his sake, right? Or are you actually just selfish? Do you really just hate the sight of dirty dishes and you just think, Everyone should do their own dishes. Darn it, it's America. <laughs> somehow that relates, maybe, right? Like somehow you make these, right? You, but you make those connections. You're like, yeah, it's America. That's why, right? We have these things because we are going in with the wrong heart. Man, are you really getting into this discussion on theology with your buddy or with your small group uh, member? Are you really entering into that discussion on theology because you want to grow? Are you entering into this argument because you want to prove yourself right? Or because you want to make them feel dumb? Or you want to justify this book that you read earlier? Right? Where is your heart in these conflicts? First thing you got to do is check your heart. Man, I, I, had, a, I had a friend, uh, I had a group, we went to a class together, uh, a group of us uh, when I was a freshman in college, and we would go every day and we would, you know, walk to and from class and we you know, would study together and work on tests together. And there's this one guy who stopped coming about halfway through the semester. He just stopped coming to class. There was no attendance policy, so he was like, peace, and he was done. All right, the rest of us still went, though. Still went to the reviews, still did all this other stuff. And whenever tests would roll around, he would talk to us. He'd be like, hey, hey, well, what, what notes did you guys take on? The, oh, okay, really? These things, right? And he would just take all of our notes that we had gotten from attending class. Now, some, most of us were just like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. It's okay. It'll catch up to him eventually, right? And he did. Yeah, it did. But uh, <laughs> I know that sounded really foreboding, but uh, it, it wasn't that bad. Anyway, so he, it caught up to him eventually. But in that moment, we were like, you know, no big deal. But there was one person in our group. And it was this girl uh, who dated one of my best friends, and she said no. She said, this is, n- this is a big deal. She said, this must be stopped here and now. And so when we all went to breakfast, I, a lot of times we would go to breakfast right after class. And one time when we went to breakfast after a test, so he was actually with us, we were sitting there just trying to drink our chocolate milk, eat our honey buns, right, because you're a freshman and you eat like an insane four-year-old. And we're sitting there, and she turns to him, and she goes, I don't know how you do it. And he was like, do what, right? Wipe chocolate milk off his face. What? He goes, I can't believe. I don't even know how you live with yourself. 
You don't even go to class, but you take all of our notes. It's not fair, and you don't get them anymore. And then suddenly in this moment, we're like, oh my gosh, this just got real. This just got real, real. Right? Like this, this is intense. And it was, man, it was uncomfortable. Holy cow. Uh, and, you know, honestly, through that whole situation, uh, I don't think she was really coming at it with a loving attitude, right? You could even just see it in her manner, the way they talked and the aftermath. Oh, right? But in the middle of that situation, you know, honestly, if you really loved and cared about this person, you would approach that in a different way. And I think a lot of us have been in that situation where we say, we're like, oh yeah, I just, I care about you, man. That's why I want to meet with you here today at this coffee shop. I just, I, I care about you, right? But do you really? Check your heart. Not only should you check your heart, but you need to check your part. What I mean by that is you need to look at what you have done in this situation. You need to look for the logs in your eyes. Uh, Matthew 7, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Christ right here is telling us, look, you've got to make sure that you have successfully, you have fully understood your part in this conflict. You need to really understand where you are in the situation before you start speaking into someone else's life. So not only are you checking your heart, man, you're checking to see what have you done, right? When I was in the middle of my dunk disaster, I did not acknowledge the fact that when I went to that party, I acted wrongly. I did not admit that. I wouldn't do it. Partially because of my pride, because my heart was in the wrong spot. I was refusing to admit my fault. I was refusing to look and see what I had done and see that as wrong. So in the same way, man, when you are interacting with your roommate, right, whenever you're having these arguments about the, you know, work or chores or whatever, and you're in that project, and you're saying, you need to do more work, you know, you need to complete these parts. Stop and think, have I done everything that I'm expecting him to do? A lot of times you realize, no, because I'm going to do it on Friday, right? You have this justification, right? It's this thing called cognitive disconnect where, where you think, okay, yeah, yeah, like I'm going to totally do this, but then when your actions don't line up with what you think you're going to do, you just decide, uh, but I didn't do it because of this really great excuse, right? And suddenly you're like, oh yeah, for me, it's not a big deal. Like I'm totally going to do my dishes tomorrow, right? When I'm not so busy, right? Or I'm totally going to pick up after myself on this day, right? Or I'm going to do these other things then. But whenever it comes to another person, we're like, ah, oh, no, man, no excuses. Play like a champion dummy, right? Like that's, that's our first mindset. Our first thought is this person is just lazy and I hate them, right? And they're the worst. They are the worst because we're not willing to look and really look at our part within the situation. So not only should you check your heart and your part, man, when you eventually have that conflict, make sure you have an actual conversation. What I mean by that is make sure when you're talking with them, there's this age-old kind of business saying that's attack the problem, not the person. You want to attack the problem, not the person. When I was having my conflict with my beautiful wife, where did I immediately take it to? I went to the very front of that crazy train and said, you're unbelievable, right? I made it this this completely insane personal attack. That's where I went. And because of that, man, it just, it tore everything apart because it didn't even make sense. I wasn't even, we weren't even talking about the issue anymore. So when you're in the middle of this conflict, man, really think about, am I pulling in some old baggage from something else that this person did in the past that I haven't really resolved? Am I pulling in maybe these issues that I've dealt with away from this person? Maybe something someone else did to me at some point? Am I bringing that into this conflict? Really think about, am I actually confronting the problem 
Or is this this personal weird thing, right? Are you leaving that door open for future resolution? When Paul and Barnabas split, man, they left, but they still loved each other. They protected that relationship. Are you still protecting that relationship? Or are you sometimes literally slamming the door shut, right? What are you doing? And last thing, we're done. Man, when you are, when you are protecting that relationship, you've also got to make sure that you are protecting your mission. What I mean by that is that when you can't resolve something, and there's no major issue, okay? What I mean by major issue is there's, there's no major sin, there's no major uh, hang-up on, you're not going against Scripture. Whenever you are doing that, I would encourage you, think about what is my overall mission, right? Like, how does this fit in with the big picture? Because God can still use splits, Right? God can use, God's mission goes beyond that. I don't know if you realize this, but the fastest growing area for Christianity right now is Asia and Africa. That's it, man. Christianity has pretty much passed America by. I don't know if you realize that. But in Africa right now, it's exploding. 367 million, million Christians in Africa right now. And it's, they're just growing exponentially day by day. And the main churches that are over there, you know what they are? They're Anglican. They're Anglican churches. You know where Anglicans came from? They split off of the Church of England. You know where the Church of England came from? It split off of the Catholic Church. Split, split, split. And God is still using it. A lot of the churches in Africa right now, they aren't even connected with any denomination. They're completely independent. And they, they've split away from all these other things, all this other denomination stuff. They've split completely away, but yet still God is using that. So realize that this mission of God is so much bigger than what we believe. It's so much bigger than these minor theology points that we come up with. You've got this huge church in South Korea uh, called the uh, Yoido Full Gospel Church. Okay, when we think of a big church, we're like, yeah, it's probably got like 4,000 members. This church has 700,000 members, okay? 700,000. And they're assemblies of God. What that means uh, is that they believe a few different things doctrinally than I do. But you know what? I have to look at that and be like, wow, these little issues that we have with one another, they don't matter because God's mission is so much bigger. I have to be willing to accept the fact that God's mission transcends all of these little things that maybe we get hung up on, these little conflicts that we might have. So as you're talking with a non-believer, you need to remember your mission is to present the love of God to this person. You need to present the gospel of Christ to this person. That's, that's your mission. That's what you have to protect, no matter what. And as you're talking, maybe having conflict with another believer, you need to remember, look, we're on the same team. Man, we're not going to be best friends, but we are on the same team, and we can't allow these little things about theology or denominations or whatever hold us back from that. You've got to realize that both of us are brothers, or we are sisters in Christ. Only then, only when we are protecting this relationship and this, this mission, only then are we really able to leave that door open for reconciliation, to leave that door open for future working together. Only then are we truly being ambassadors for Christ. So as we uh, sing a few more songs, I would just encourage you guys to really pray about this. Think about who are you in conflict with right now? Maybe they're in this room. Maybe they're not. Maybe you're not, maybe in the very middle of conflict, but I would just encourage you, think about, pray that God would reveal that someone in your mind that maybe you still have issues with that you haven't even thought about. And I encourage you, take these next few moments not to just sing words, 
but to really think about, God, how can I protect this relationship? How can I protect this mission? God, what do I need to do? How do I need to handle this conflict better? Ask him to reveal those things to you. I promise he is faithful to deliver. So if you would, let's, let's just pray right now. God, we are so grateful that you are so powerful that you are able to overcome uh, our minor arguments, our minor conflicts. God, we recognize that you have an amazing plan, that you are in control. So Lord, we just pray that we would be willing to lay down our own desires. God, lay down our pride, our our desire to, to make ourselves seem right or justified. God, help us just push that away in favor of acknowledging you as Lord, in favor of acknowledging the relationship that you've given us, God, the mission that we have at hand. I I just ask that you would just take a moment right now as we lead into worship to just take a couple moments and just pray. Pray and ask that God would show you where this conflict is in your life right now and where you need to take steps to handle it better.